0: That you never need needed Sports cards after hours, keep the hobby heated. Up Updates, Tommy talk, like you never seen it.
1: Sports cards live, and I could never beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards, and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host,
0: Jeremy Lee. All right, welcome everybody to a big episode, episode number one hundred and sixty of sports cards live. It is Saturday, November the 5th, 2022. My name is Jeremy Lee. I would like to thank Steve Menzi, Mikey Singer, and Amit Acharya for joining me on Thursday for the traditional pre-expo Let's Get Into It show. That was great. Check it out if you'd like. It's on the YouTube channel. Tomorrow on Collectible Live at 7 o'clock Eastern, Mark Mader will be joining. I've called that show Tickets versus Sports cards. So that should be Very interesting. And another episode of Collectible Live will follow on Tuesday at 7 o'clock Eastern with Scott Roskind, who is the Chief Visionary Officer of Beckett. Scott will be joining us on Tuesday. Note next weekend, no episodes of Sports Cards Live or anything on this channel. I will be at the Toronto Sport Card Expo and I look forward to seeing a bunch of you there. I would like to shout out the Center Stage app. Download the app in the App Store for quick comps, whether you are at a card show or you're pricing your cards. sale on any platform the app is continuously improving so please join me in supporting the great team that they have assembled there and the tasks that they are undertaking i want to shout out layton sheldon and just collect layton will be joining sports cards live on saturday nights for a short segment where the working title right now is vintage spotlight he'll be making his debut tonight also happy to announce that whatnot is back as a sponsor of sports cards live we will be streaming to Whatnot starting with the next episode. And Tag Grading, I want to let everybody know, Tag Grading will be at the Toronto Expo next weekend accepting submissions, on-site submissions, and we'll also have a booth on the show floor showcasing all of their slash hour technology. Toronto Expo, speaking of that, Thursday, November the 10th, after the show ends, come down to the Jack Astor's for a bit of a dinner drinks we're going to I've been I've been organizing these making reservations for these dinners now for over 10 years so please come out and join should be fun reservation is in my name that's Jack Asters I'll help you find it later come see me at, at the expo on Thursday I want to thank everybody all our loyal viewers all our loyal listeners on the podcast thank you so much if you're not yet subscribed please take a moment and do so and as always tonight your comments your questions Are in play, so do not be shy. But let's get to today's episode. Tonight's guest, he got his first pack of baseball cards in 1982. There were 82 Fleers as a reward from his father. As a kid, he started drawing baseball players and he evolved into a professional, fine artist, and illustrator and is now a proud and very popular artist for tops. His favorite teams are the New York Mets and the New Jersey Devils, which I love to hear. And his favorite athlete is Mike Schmidt, full stop after Mike Schmidt. Originally from Long Island, New York, currently hailing from Brooklyn, New York. Let's bring him out. Andy Friedman, welcome to Sports Cars Live, buddy. How are you? Doing great. Nice to be here. Thanks. Yeah. Nice hey, to hey, see you, Jeremy. It, it, it's good to have you, Andy. It's good to have you. You know, um, first of all, talk about Mike Schmidt. Why is Mike Schmidt your favorite athlete um, because when I asked you for your favorite athlete, you're like Mike Schmidt. I'm like, is that it? You're like, yeah.
1: That's about it. So talk about that. What's up with Mike Schmidt? Well, you know, the answer to that question also explains why I love baseball cards so much and how I got into them. The back of his card tells us really inspiring story of a rookie who didn't really excel I think he was maybe third, third in strikeouts that year, and uh, his own teammates used to pretend they were caught a cold after the whiff of his bat when he would come and return to the dugout, you know, um, only to come back the next three seasons, you know, with more home runs than, than anyone uh, leading the league. Uh, as a rookie in Little League at age 12, actually I have my, my, uh, my card right here, uh it was my only season actually i struck out every at bat so that was a very inspiring story because i knew that you could have a terrible rookie year and you know come back you could you could i had the chance to interview him for a piece i did for the new yorker an illustrated interview and i had the chance to ask him like what's the mindset 22 23 year old rookie who's being made fun of by his own teammates. How do you come back the next year with all that confidence to lead the league in home runs? He said, well, I just had to kind of, you know, learn to not strike out. (laughs) How do you do that? Had to kind of remember that the game is fun and stop trying to kill the ball, put so much pressure on myself and just kind of swing easy took a few steps back in the plate so I could change my angle. And that to me is a metaphor that any baseball player or any athlete or any human being, I think can find meaning from. So when I kind of quit little league and just kind of like started to get into baseball again, just kind of for fun, I remembered his kind of nothing stance and instead of the coach telling me to bend my knees and my elbows and the head, you know, a helmet was too big and, when I just kind of started practicing that, I kind of learned how to hit, and I've applied that technique I think throughout life. You know, find 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 your find the the fun in it, and just kind of swing easy.
0: Don't put too much pressure on yourself, maybe as well, right? And just just have the fun. Yeah, sounds so like a, but... yeah, inspirational story. Uh, how he inspired you? That that's really cool. And the chance, the, the fact that you got to interview him. And talked to him. Pretty uh, pretty uh awesome as well. Uh, that was crazy, yeah. So the New Jersey Devils, for a moment. The New Jersey Devils are your favorite hockey team. You know, I'm in Canada. I'm a hockey fan. Uh Why the New Jersey Devils? Is that you, you grew up there? You were going to
1: games? Yeah, yeah. I grew up, like, I could probably hit a baseball to Nassau Coliseum from the lawn I grew up on. So I remember all four Islanders, Stanley Cups. The Islanders were so hometown for me i mean we i grew up in east meadow which bumps up against uniondale which is where the nassau coliseum is everyone was an islanders or rangers fan uh did, no one cared about the devils this is the green and red devils pre-brodeur i don't know they i related to them and i felt like they were just for me and they were nobody was wearing a green and red devils jersey so they just kind of became my team. They were underdogs. I was in, a this is probably 86, 87. I was in a deep uh, underdog phase, you know, watching The Natural and RoboCop movies like that. So it fit in with the narratives.
0: Right. I, I'm. You it remi- reminds me like Kirk Muller and uh, Mel Bridgman. Was Mel yeah. Bridgman there at the time? That's all I can remember not, right yeah, now.
1: No, I, after that, John McClane. And I was McClain. there for, you know, the first two from the USSR, Fatisov and Kasatanov. Right. Uh, Sean Burke was the goalie, uh, right. yeah. And then Chris Terreri. I actually had a Chris Terreri jersey there in nice. the school. I, I didn't even get the Burke one; I got the backup. Jersey. So it's just, uh, you know, awesome. gotta love those green and red devils.
0: Yeah, for that's, that's it's pretty cool. I like that you have that uh, that connection as you know as an American. I you know hockey doesn't get a, enough love down down south of the border. So it's nice when someone who's there does give it some love. Uh, yeah, I want to just uh, let the let the people watching and listening know how how you came to be on the show. I used to do this all the time, and um, it's just I think it's a cool story. So um, I remember meeting you briefly at the Mint Collective. You were set up there um, selling your art, and uh, that's where I we first came across each other. And I re- do you remember that? I do. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, you better, you better
1: say you do. <laughs> um, I yes, remember I that. do have a vague recollection of being in Vegas. Yes. Yeah. yeah good, good, good. Yeah. Same here. But um, we actually
0: kind of met again here at the Beckett industry summit, which was at the very uh, end, the beginning of, of October. And um, we hung out quite a bit there. Actually, you, you were set up uh, at your table with your brother. You had your, your wares out your, your original art cards, and you were kind of right across from where I was hanging out, which was at the tag booth. And so I remember I came up and chatted with you quite a bit. And uh, and then we had a, at least one or two meals together. And kind of, it, w- it was nice because I felt like I got to know you uh, and to the point where, you know, not just someone that I could call and say, hey, do you want to come on Sports Cards Live? But like, actually, I feel like we formed a relationship It actually became somewhat of friends. It was, it was it's kind of cool how that can happen. Um, in the in the sports card community wouldn't you say
1: it does happen that way and i think there's just an automatic commonality between collectors of introversion perhaps even though we're in an extroverted setting um we we all know what we love about these pieces of cardboard and the fact that we share it with each other and travel great distances to do that so you know, you're gonna have a hard time like not connecting with someone. I, I feel like at a, a, show at a show like that, or 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 any time you you meet someone who shares this uh, passion. Uh, oh, yeah. So yeah, you bet. It was great great talking with you both both times, and now, eleven Yo. minutes and 08 into it.
0: There we go we uh, we had we went for some sushi and then what was funny we were walking through uh kind of the the Vegas hotels and we came across a rare bookstore it happened to be the bookstore that uh the 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 expert on Pawn stars worked at they used to the uh, i forget the name of the store but uh rebecca i think is her name i asked because right. we, were, we were there and i asked the lady who was working i said did Rebecca work here? And she said, yes. I said, how often do you get asked that question? She goes like a hundred times a day. And uh, (laughs) we were, but we were enamored by a couple of the books they had in their, in their showcase. I was particularly taken by the original, the original uh, published book, uh, Superman. And I remember, yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's really cool. And I, you know, you start thinking about, you know, you're in Vegas, you start thinking about, this the the novelty of it all maybe you buy that book for whatever it was three or four thousand dollars and then then you think to yourself well i'd probably rather have his 1940 uh bubblegum card the card number one that's more of his rookie
1: so you know i didn't
0: buy anything i don't think you did any either but that was a pretty cool store hey
1: it was really beautiful i mean right away you you know you, you can walk into certain stores so certain shops that have 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 an aroma of the product uh, the scent you know in the room but this is almost like a visual scent of uh ink on old paper it's just yeah. like a, a a dark brown green kind of thing happening and then you go up close and yes that's superman that's grapes of wrath you know that's what whatever i mean they're just beautiful beautiful uh jacket dust covers you know and and yeah. The, the way the they fray the you know the colors of the of the pages um beautiful yeah it's like you know what as card,
0: as card collectors i speaking for myself as a card collector you know we i i collect it, it's like paper it's cardboard similar to collecting tickets or magazines or programs or photographs it's all paper books are paper too for the most part paper and cardboard so It doesn't surprise me that I found myself really intrigued standing in there and I had to make sure that I kept my wallet in my pocket and didn't just very impulsively drop, you know, a good chunk of money on something that I don't know that I would have really loved forever. Whereas I don't want to buy a card. I pretty much am going to love it forever. So let's, uh, let's, let's go a couple comments in the chat here. We're going to, I'm going to start from the most recent, go backwards here. Iconic baseball says, Oh, who didn't love Rebecca. I mean, yeah, she was not too. She was certainly not hard on the eyes, Uh, Rebecca from the expert from Pawn Stars. T Dot lets us know that the Astros just hit a three run homer. What's up, Michael Ham? Always good to see you, buddy. Brian Adams, always good to see you as well. We got T Dot says, Andy, your favorite sports are red and white. I think think he means hockey. Daniel Busby, good to see you. It's been a month or so. Glad to have you back. T Dot loves my shirt. The Wayne Gretzky rookie card shirt. Jake Dahl, what's going on? Hello, T dot, and we got Joe Perot from Santa Cruz in the house. What's up, Joe? I'm sure, you're it's working. Joe. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Albert Jones. Good evening to you. So, all right, well, let's uh, let's let's get into a little bit about your history. Uh, uh, Leighton Sheldon will be joining us momentarily, but uh, Andy, let's talk a bit about your your history in the hobby and um kind of just take it i alluded to it in the opening in the intro but -hmm. we've had a lot of people join since then so take us through your hobby history so we can the the people watching our fellow hobbyists can put put into context and really get the foundation for who you are as a collector and just a quick hello there to to jeff mcmahon and sorry to hear the habs lost all right yeah
1: take it away yeah sure you mentioned i received packs of 82 fleers or award i did for accompanying my dad in his Dotson 280z around town doing errands on a saturday or sunday and in the end we'd end up at a smoke shop i think he'd smoke grenadiers cigars and at uh at the counter were uh, packs of 82 fleer so i always wanted these cards did not follow baseball did not know any of the names i was enthralled by the colors the design the familiarity of the images. They looked like old photos of a family I didn't know, but somehow related to. I don't know, they captured my imagination when I was five, six, seven years old. Uh, so that's really my entry into collecting and into cards is, is the, the, the artifact of it, the physical object, the design, the psychology of the card, I, I like to almost call it. It wasn't until 86 as a Long Islander, got really swept away with Met Fever, uh, 86 Met, so like definitely started following baseball. Now, you also have Mike Schmidt winning the MVP in 86, so that kind of worked along with my narrative because i was familiar with schmidt already to even pay attention to him and that's because i received an 82 fleer schmidt in one of the packs and it looked like my friend dad uh, my dad's friend Steve, which kind of endeared me to him because i just thought it looked exactly like my dad's friend uh so then i started paying attention to that guy in 86 and there he was, you know he was the old 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 man in the league of i think 36 or 37 at the time uh and just to watch him lead the league in home runs that year i believe one mvp was exciting so i got swept up in 86 fever and in 85 already started collecting garbage pal kids and wwf wrestling cards and those will be found at the counter at b&b stationery on Merrick avenue uh in east meadow same town as uh hometown as frank Viola, uh and i ignored the baseball cards really until 86 and that's how it really started, you know, with a desire to kind of like collect all the '86 Mets and then get a Mike Schmidt and take it from there. But then the traded set came out at the end of the year, and now we were already hooked. Yeah. So now it's like, what is Jose Canseco? What now? And my, I knew all the stories. Like, wait, my dad had. I mean, we all know this story now. Well, you you had those cards, you threw them away. Oh my God, I'm gonna have keep 20 of them there's a card show where what day so the first saturday of every month in the basement of the coliseum motor Inn, right across from the nassau coliseum uh and you're right right across from i think borelli's if anybody knows hempstead turnpike and merrick avenue in the basement once a month cigarette smoke filled the air and my brother and i were in paradise (laughs) nice nice and that's really how it started
0: uh, that's a hey man it's a typical authentic way to get into they're all unique everyone's story is unique in its own way but uh it's just nice to hear how other people got involved in the hobby. All right, we're going to uh b- before we bring on Layton who has joined us now Layton I see you there buddy. We're going to bring Layton on in one second for our vintage spotlight segment but uh in the meantime before we do that though, Brian Adams had a
1: question for you Andy. What's your favorite genre of music? Hmm, yeah I was Raised on American popular standards and and rock and roll and singer songwriter rock, but I, I think, I think for the same reason I like Mike Schmidt, I go with country blues on that one. Probably pre thirties. Uh, you know, I'll say any country blues music. Yeah, there you go, Brian. and iconic baseball. Speaking of
0: '82, Fleer says the Ripken rookie card is his absolute ugliest card. Yeah, I got to agree. I like the tops. Is it the tops traded where he's, it looks, it's just such a beautiful, it's him in his pose with the green, the green grass, the blue sky. Layton can confirm for us. Let's bring him on. Let's bring Layton on. Layton, how are you, bud? Hey, gentlemen. How are you tonight? Doing good. How are you? Oh, great. Thanks. Good. And What's you up, know, Layton? listen, when I told each of you that you each were going to be on tonight, you're like, oh, I know him.
2: Yeah, I so, know Andy. How's nice it going? Nice to Andy? see you, man. Yeah, great to see you.
0: Good stuff. So, as I mentioned in the opening, guys, uh, and welcome, Layton, to the show. Uh, Layton's going to be joining Sports Cards Live for the foreseeable future for a segment called, we, I mean, it's working title as of about four minutes before we went live called Vintage Spotlight. So, we're going to bring Layton on. And, uh, Layton, you have a couple of things you wanted to chat about. Uh, why don't you take it away and just jump right in? Because I think these are both really interesting topics. And um, let's hear what you have to say.
2: Absolutely. So, first off, thanks again for having me on, uh, Andy. Appreciate you uh, sharing the limelight with me here. Um, so uh, where I want to start is really cool. We've been open for about a month, our new retail store in Millburn, New Jersey, uh, called Just Collect, and it's a vintage curated store. Uh, however, last night we had our first kids night, and that's where I wanted to start tonight. Uh, so first, hobbies alive and well. Second, if you've not been to your hobby store recently, and people have told you, you know, this Pokemon thing is real, it's here to stay. I know this is a sports show, But I want to be clear, I'm on the front lines now having a store last night, at least 50 50 Pokemon sports, um, which I thought was super interesting. And the biggest takeaway, which I thought was really great, was that it didn't matter if my son was, uh, he's almost eight. He was there. Um, And admittedly, he's not an avid card collector yet, but he was caught up in the excitement, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, And so what I thought was really great is trading was very prevalent. And really, no one took out their apps to look up the price. No one took out the latest comp on eBay. It was like, hey, I like your Jacob deGrom card, and I have an extra, you know, whatever it is, uh, Otani card that I don't really care about. And, you know, I wouldn't say it was even like two to two in that way, but I really liked that it just seemed at the most basic level, all the kids that were there. With the exception of a couple that were definitely like hey what's this card worth graded i'm like oh you know um i thought it was really great to see um you know like i said the ages of 8 to 15 years old interacting um very much on even footing uh on on sports cards and and pokemon cards it was wonderful
0: it's great to hear that you know I, i love that you're saying the hobby is alive and well i uh there's a new podcast I just saw on Instagram. Uh, Chad Blesnick just started a podcast called The Hobby is Alive. I think it's a great name for a podcast. So and you, do I. Yeah, and you just affirmed it right there, uh, you know, with boots on the ground in your own uh, newly opened shop, and congratulations on that. I want to go to Andy for a moment, just ask you. Like, Andy, you've been to a couple of card shows lately. Uh, what are What's your sort of view on the amount of kids that we're seeing and the, the energy coming from them? Did you... Did you see any, I guess I have to, just, I have to qualify. First of all, the, the, the industry summit card show in Las Vegas was, wasn't a very busy show. So I don't know how many kids I even remember seeing it, that one, but the mint, what about the mint collective thinking back to there, which was sort of an industry type of show?
1: Uh, what did you, what did you find there, Andy? I, th- I saw a lot of energy, you know, you got, you got uh, Blake, uh, uh, Blake down, who's who's the Blake down. Take, I mean, come on, that he, that kid's got enough energy for the you know the whole uh, every every kid in America, uh, and I think there's a there's a lot you know there's a lot of kids with with a lot of enthusiasm. But uh, yeah, I think I had an arm wrestling match with Blake and Mint Collective. <laughs> um, I saw, yeah, I, I I talked to a lot of kids, and for me, it's a different kind of experience because I, I don't have PSA slabs and I don't have you know, relic cards. I don't, I have paintings. And so explaining what I have really seems to mystify them when they understand that what I have here is the painting and what I have here is the card. They they don't understand. Yeah, Like you put, you paint on this piece of paper. I think they're used to people painting maybe on iPads. So just the whole revelation that I would, choose to paint with ink and watercolor on a piece of paper but then explaining that process and then how it gets turned into the card turning over the original and seeing nothing but a signature and turning over the original and seeing the card so i get into great conversations with the kids and they're really into it but the, the the adults turned in turn into kids when we talk about that stuff too
0: fair comment right there you were you not just at the Chantilly show or a big show recently
1: what I was. Were, what was the what was the level of kind of youth at that show? I wasn't there to, to speak you to know, it. Honestly, same, same as always for for me personally from my point of view. Well, I, what I, of what
0: I, just just in terms of kids walking around, did you see a lot of kids in the I room? Did. Yeah, I did. Well, it's good to know. I mean, listen, we I always hope that that's going to be the answer because uh, it's just a symbol of the future of the hobby. And um, yeah, I'm not worried about it. Be long, long, a long, long live long and prosper the hobby. Hopefully, Layton. Thank, thanks for. I listen. I always like talking about kids in the hobby. Uh, What was your next topic that you wanted to touch on?
2: Uh, Before we touch uh, upon that, Jeremy, I did want to add something to what Andy was just saying, um, because I think you're going to enjoy this, Andy. Um, So, my son Crosby's seven, he'll be eight the day after Christmas. And I think, unfortunately for me, he's not a big collector yet, but we're, you know, fingers are crossed, right? Um, So, I was at a convention uh, not that long ago um, in Fort Washington. Uh, slash Valley Forge, you know, was relocated to a different facility. And ironically, next door, they had another big convention, but it was comic-related. But, you know, toy-related, you know, things of that nature. And so I only bought my son uh, one thing from it. Uh, He's a big Sonic fan. And there was a gentleman, um, you know, basically he was doing some painting on a variety of different mediums. And so um, I bought it for Crosby, uh, and he not only loved it, but we just went to another convention uh, called Chiller in New Jersey, where there's a lot of like movie stars. And, and you know, I was hoping there'd be like Marvel type people for him. There really wasn't that, but I'll tell you where we stopped. We stopped at two distinct booths and they both really had nothing to do with Pokemon or cards or collectibles. One of them Andy had to do with art and it was a gentleman who was really just painting. And even though um, you guys are painting different things, you're both artists. And I would say, both from a hobby standpoint, and then from an art standpoint, I really think it's cool that uh, my son who's seven going on eight, um, and hopefully a lot of others out there appreciate what you're doing. And even the way you're saying, of course, adults are interested that I kind of figured because, you know, we have the mindset to kind of understand We're a little bit more mature. But I absolutely agree with you. I think the art is mystifying kids. And uh, it's wonderful to see, uh, you know, with my son and others. So I just wanted to add that, uh, you know, to the little chat today.
1: Yeah, you know, I want to add one thing real quick to that. Um, It also, we're in a new moment with these art cards, and especially with art cards that are authored, where people know the names of the artists, and they know their faces, and they are starting to collect certain artists for the first time really ever. It was always about the brand, the player, the favorite team, not the photographer who took the picture necessarily, right, or ever. Uh, Maybe with the exception of Dick Perez, Diamond Kings, you don't really know many names. But what this is doing is maybe inspiring your child to do this. Because suddenly it's possible to be on a card besides just being a major league athlete. And that, I believe, has the power to turn on and keep a younger generation going. I'm not worried about this this hobby at all. But that opens up a huge channel of inspiration for the young kids. Awesome. Well said. Well said. agree. Back to you, Leighton.
2: Great. So, Jeremy, I'll finish up with my second point for today. And we were talking just a little bit ago about how there's been, you know, this this change of pricing now from PSA on downward, right? So they're trickling uh, effects or maybe causing um, other grading companies to maybe reevaluate their their, 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 you know, their fees. And I was simply saying it to me, even though I know this is going to be vintage spotlight, I think it's wonderful for all collectors of vintage and modern that we're going to be able to take advantage and grade more cards for our registry, grade more cards that we just want for our PC, but that we couldn't afford to grade. Um, But the angle I'm going to take with this discussion for today is how for me personally, who generally is dealing in vintage and vintage can be described as a lot of different. Things and ways, but for me, that's you know, let's say the 1970s and earlier. But in particular, I'm going to show off uh, not um, just the group, not in, individually, but it's this group of T206s that are polar bear backs. And as I was mentioning to you, Jeremy, they're you know, not that much tougher than sweet caps and Piedmont backs. However, with the registry being really strong for T206s, um, on the PSA registry, I really want to get them slabbed. However, with the prices, you know going where they did over the last 12, 15, 18 months, it really I, I had to shelve them. I couldn't sell them raw it wasn't worth it. I don't want to, I don't want to grade them with a different grading company and sell it for them for 40 cents on a dollar. Um, and thankfully they weren't burning a hole in my pocket. but this is my point um, when you're dealing with vintage is that generally things kind of either stay flat maybe they you know they go up a little bit, they go down a little bit, but you're not going to lose 80% of the value of a Tito six common. And so I don't feel that with let's say modern basketball, you know, for every draft class there is, there's always a couple really great kids, but then there's a lot of kids out of the 25 or 30 NBA teams, right, that you know aren't going to make it and if you end up let's say in this weird time of grading where they have to either shut down grading again, raise fees, it's really uncomfortable to have hundreds or thousands of dollars just as a collector, forget about it, as a dealer. And so just cautioning everyone out there to make sure that we don't take a look at this reduced grading cost that's now being led by PSA, but you're going to see it across the board, I believe. Um, don't, let's say, make the same mistake you did before, which is, hey, let me just fling whatever I can against the wall, the old spaghetti method, and see what sticks. Um, and then I'm going to get back, in some cases, you know, prospects that either never make it, or they made it, but yet just because of market saturation, the cards you're selling for so much less than you actually paid just to even have them graded. So um, just keep that in mind uh, when you're when you're dealing with grading and vintage versus modern. So um, that's what I wanted to add for today.
0: All right, well, appreciate your insights and uh, thanks for coming on. We'll see you again uh, a couple of weeks from now.
2: Absolutely, take it easy, gentlemen. All right, thanks. You
0: take care, bud. All right. So. Uh, I, I did miss this one. T Dot says yo, Vince, because uh Leighton does look like Vince Vaughn. So uh <laughs> good, good to see good to see Leighton and thanks for that. Uh T Dot. Let's go to a question for you from uh Brendan Omelia. Uh, Andy says, talk about the design of 86 tops. Why do I love it so much? Yes, I was an 86 <laughs> Mets fan too. What can you what can you say to that? Why why do
1: you lo- talk about why you love it so much? I, well, I think that's
0: I think that's what he's saying. Well, I think it's almost like like, like validate for him that it's an awesome design.
1: <laughs> well, look, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, these are subjective, you know, uh, reactions. But it is interesting how we tend to endear ourselves to certain designs further enlighten, you know, it, proving the idea that p- part of our fascination with all this is visual, uh, you, you know, th- these are little art objects and maybe some of the less popular sets like the, what, the 90 Donruss with the, the it looks like a dro- red drop cloth. You know, people, you don't see them celebrated too much. And most people say, oh, that's a horrid looking set. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I think that, uh, I think that they, they speak to us and there's something about the 86 design and it's bold basic, strong, yet subtle way, uh, you know, is a positive role model maybe for us, especially if we're just tuning in when we're 12. It really catches your attention and keeps you there.
0: It uh, I like it. I like the design. I remember, you know, the Bo and the Barry Bonds in particular, but I think, you know, I like the, I like Brendan's question. Because I think the answer to me is pretty simple. I don't know Brendan or or, or you know I, at least I don't think I do. And why he likes that, but you know I think it's just nostalgia and maybe what you remember collecting as a kid. What at that like it's almost like why did I love that design back in 1986 versus why do I love it now? You know if if that's the case for Brendan who maybe remembers opening those packs as a kid and finds himself chasing them or loving that design still to this day. I know for me. The, the the 80s when I was really in my the, the peak of my opening packs and building sets all of those 80s designs especially for the hockey cards are like and some of the you know the the 86 tops football and the of course all the Fleer basketballs I mean I remember these so well and I still love them I think it's because it's nostalgic it takes me back to those those you know those those years of life where you just, you can live carefree and you don't know responsibility. Life is very easy back then. I wonder how much of it is that. And if if that's something Brendan can even like confirm or or deny for us, but um, I
1: think a lot of it comes back to nostalgia, right? I I agree. Well said. And I think any, anyone from a generation who was a kid in the sixties will feel that way about 1961 or 56 you know, they look at it and they say, oh, I stuffed it in my bike spokes and we used to flip them against the walls. Of course, of course, that's what it is. It, cool. it, of course, just like we come across a landscape that is familiar to us uh, that we remember from our youth, maybe. And we just want to sit and take it all in, yeah. you know, um, that familiarity, that nostalgia for sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with I'm with uh, with you on that one.
0: All right, cool. What's up, uh, baseball card curmudgeon? And we got Junk Wax Investor in the house, what is going on? And Joe Pro wants to say props to Layton, who's no longer with us tonight, for helping me at the Mint Collective to look at my T206 Cobb. He was right on the money with condition and authenticity, great vintage eye and wonderful to meet. Sorry, Joe, that we didn't get to that until Layton left for the evening. Tito says '80s was the best decade in human history,' <laughs> uh, stated as fact. Stated as fact. Skeppy in the house says name a couple of specific cards to speak to artistically that were produced between 1985 till today. I mean, the the cool thing about Andy is that if you've ever seen his his work, or if you haven't, you got to check it out. If you see if you've collected Top Spotlight, or if you've seen his stuff on display at a card show, you know that Andy. I mean, I feel like you've you must intimately know the designs of, of tops cards right from 52 till present day, or at least pretty, pretty recently. So I think you can answer this question quite confidently.
1: I, I, I would expect, well, again, you know, yes, I, I, I'm familiar with the, with, with the designs and the years, um, but also it's again, subjective. So uh, of course I can easily say what speak to me artistically, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to speak to you. Um, But you know, of of course the Sandy Alomar future stars, 1989, you know, and the Gary Sheffield 89 future stars, those are going to do something when you see them because they were so exciting. They were so anticipated that, that like, mark grace eighty eight fleer sam horn eighty eight fleer for that matter eighty eight fleer you know those 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 cards that you were waiting for that that you thought were gonna be worth a bazillion dollars if you held on to it you know and then and then it and then it wasn't i don't know those speak to me artistically okay. um the greg That's Jeffries, the you know eighty eight downrust, you know um those uh those those cards you know sure i the, the 88 score design even but it, but th- what did i feel about those at first i think I've, i remember they, they they each card looked like somehow like a a wrapper like it was like a chocolate bar or something They but they've aged well now now they're they're charming when i when i see them especially slabbed it reminds me how i guess sort of old they are and now they're yeah, charming, nostalgic. So I hope that answers a question. Eight Skeppy, One Productions.
0: I, I like the word. I like the. I like calling them charming. I mean, I like. I, I will call cards beautiful, <laughs> sexy, even. Um, I've never called the card charming, but I'm gonna add that to my uh, vernacular <laughs> if you don't mind. Uh, I want. Okay, so Brendan follows up, says confirmed. Eighty six tops was my coming of age set. I chased all those Mets cards so hard. And They rewarded me with a World Series title yeah. of Incredible Memories Are Burned Into My Soul. So there we go. I mean, listen, I was speculating, but yeah, we were right. Like it's because of that. That's why that's why that design is so special and, and, and resonates so well with Brandon. Brendan, sorry, because he
1: that was his coming of age set. So yeah,
0: it's nice. Brendan, to
1: do you even incredible. have the Brent Gaff? Say again. I just want to ask Brendan if he even has the Brent Gaff.
0: Let's hear it, Brendan, if you uh let's wait for him to pop that back up in the chat. Let's go back to Andy cuz you know we we're talking about your history in the hobby, but I want to I want you to touch on a story you told me or some experiences that you told me about um when you first started drawing baseball players and started selling your prints. How old were you how old were you and where were you first selling your 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 very earliest original
1: art? um behind the dumpster behind in the back of the school. Uh no, uh in the school. T- I was 15 um you know i have a couple right here here's examples of two of uh, uh this is an original drawing actually so i would draw this on uh, mark you know with marker um on paper and and i would uh show them around school and uh take orders for you know i want a michael jordan i want phil sims you know and i'd sell the Kinkos copies. So my dad would take me to Kinkos once a week. And I had I had like a mead notebook filled with orders. And you know, it cost two fifty for an eight and a half by eleven Kinkos copy. I sold them for five bucks. And it cost three fifty for an eleven by seventeen. I charged seven. And I didn't have to work at TCBY like the rest of my friends. It really caught on. And then my biography teacher said, you know, you should go hawk those at the NASA Coliseum and i did and actually these these two were among the uh stack i had of islanders at the nasa coliseum and i ran into the 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 players of the family section and i recognized Alyssa milano because she was dating wayne mcbean but i was of course a huge who's the boss fan and i'm like thought i was gonna be in trouble for a second they're like who, who did you make those What? come here come over here you know do you know who we are and by then they, they bought some and then they brought me in the locker room after the game. And I got them signed by Baumgartner and Pat LaFontaine. They played the LA Kings. Uh, Wayne Gretzky came out, gave some autographs. I was standing right next to him. And then Marty McSorley and Baumgartner had gotten into a fight that game. And they were right next to me showing each other their scars and like, look, you got me right in the knuckle over here. You know, uh, you know, and they were just, just friends. Um, I was 15 when, when that happened, um, uh, and I did that in school for, you know, I think two years. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> so
0: cool that you're standing there with Gretzky and you're standing there with McSorley and Baumgartner the Crazy. night they got. it's funny, these hockey players will get into a, a pretty violent fight on the ice. And then after the game, they can have a beer together because that's their job, right? Like
1: I mean, I wouldn't have known that if I, it wasn't standing right next to him. That was very wow. special for sure. For sure, for sure. Yeah, T dot yeah. says
0: that that cool drawing and here. We have you already. Have, now you have an order. Brian Adams after seeing Griffey those. I want Junior. A Griffey Junior and a Shohei Otani. Yeah,
1: you know, I have I have Griffey Junior. Yeah, I have so I have so many. Actually, let's let's, let's do this. Let's so just see good, what we call. This is like a whole stack of old high school high school stuff. Howard Johnson, another another take of Howard Johnson this is later already this is like this is like probably 1990 it's probably a year later go, a uh, yeah, there you got a go Kevin Mitchell here sorry here's your, here's your Griffey um there was there a sticker go, there probably fell off online so oh. I was 16 when I drew these um well I was younger here I was probably 10 when I drew that so yeah I got mm. I got like a full I'm telling you I got like a huge stack of stuff and that's all, right, all
0: your originals from when you were younger. That's so cool.
1: Yeah, pencil drawing of Eric Davis. Uh little so, little crayon drawing of Wade Boggs. Yeah, so there's there's a lot a lot of stuff. I was drawing all the time. And I've just even that yeah, I've just that, been kind of doing this really like my whole life.
0: That crayon, <laughs> that crayon drawing of Wade Boggs actually looked like Wade Boggs for the second I saw it there. I
1: so. Yeah, that you can tell that's Wade Boggs. Manning, I think I was this is Manning. I think I was. Oh, that's probably twelve there. You can tell that's Wade Boggs. Meanwhile, it's Don
0: Mattingly. <laughs> th- thanks for working with me there, Andy.
1: <laughs> well, I switched. I switched it on you really quick. So yeah, a little assortment of childhood childhood drawings.
0: Very cool. <laughs> uh, is that conseco? Yep. Mm-hmm. Good. Those are really cool, really cool. Junk Whack Investor says thinks they're awesome too. So does Brian. Yeah, you're probably That's gonna good. get some messages now with some uh some commission requests. So there you go. So so speaking of all those, I mean you start you, you were selling these outside Nassau Coliseum when you're 15 years old. Inside. Uh, inside, selling them to the to the players themselves. In the locker rooms. <laughs> now, fast forward, uh, whatever it is, twenty-five years or so, thirty years, and now you are drawing baseball cards for Tops. Yeah, and I mean, when part when Tops Project Twenty Twenty debuted in like early twenty twenty, um, I was aware of it. I got the emails, and I didn't, I didn't jump on in and buy cards. And I bought a few, you know, maybe a, uh, a card number fifty or something out of how many were there four hundred. Bought a few cards, thought they were really cool. I loved the different, just all the different representations of these original cards. And now you were not in that project, but can you just take us through, you know, kind of how did you get involved? How how did you start painting cards, drawing cards
1: for Tops? Uh, Well, um, as I say, I've been been painting these cards my whole life. Look, Look, I'm in here. This is something I drew when I was, when I was 12. Uh, this is a little index card, magic marker, oh. plus the back. So I have a whole bunch of those. Three of the cards in the new set um, I drew when I was 12. The Alan Trammell and the Thurman Munson and the Spotlight 72 set. If you take a look at those on the back, it says I, I drew them when I was 12. So I've been drawing them my whole life. When I was in college studying painting at Rhode Island School of Design, I made... These huge oil paintings, probably 36 by 48, superimposing players I played softball with and on Sunday mornings into like a 1980 tops design or an 83 tops design or an 84 tops design. The the iconography of baseball cards has followed me all all, all through my whole artistic life. Um yeah, so for 20 years, I like, made my my primary living uh, drawing celebrities for magazines like The New Yorker, Rolling Stones, Sports Illustrated, kind of every, everybody. Um, and I was also a musician. I had three records and you know played 80 to 100 shows a year for a decade. And I was often doing those illustrations from hotel rooms or motel rooms, low lit not ergonomically friendly environments um i would be out till three in the morning playing my music and getting up at six to draw like a president in a magazine you'd probably see and then drive another seven eight hours uh do it all again for two weeks at a time after a decade my hand gave out i got carpal tunnel and um lost my real like fine motor skills which is which is where all of my power you know, since I was a kid, all of my superpowers came from my ability to draw a steady line. And now uh, I also depended on it for a living. So that was a nightmare diagnosis. And one that I never, when people would warn me, like, you shouldn't use a mouse like that. You're going to hurt yourself. It's like, you going to hurt myself from a computer? What are you, crazy? I never believed any of that. And, you know, did. Uh, I had to kind of... Well, you either give up or reinvent. I mean, I'm I'm not an illustrator. I illustrated for a living for 20 years. Illustration was my benefactor as I continued to be the artist that I always have been. And I'm grateful for that career and had a lot of fun with it. Um, and it was a, a passion-driven pursuit as well. It was actually, you know, originally I, I wanted to be... Uh, you know Bruce Stark, the guy made these T-shirts, right? Like he was my total hero, so uh, got to satisfy that. Um, but I had to kind of like relearn how to how to draw, reinvent. So an artist can always reinvent. I guess is where I was going with that, and I had to kind of determine the strength of this new weakness that I had. How you know? I could still say what I got to say through a shaky line. So, you know, I picked subject matter that was very safe and familiar. I just started drawing baseball cards again. Um, I did a piece for the New Yorker called the loneliness of the common player that kind of tells that whole story and uses the illustrations. Uh, Some of them I have right here. Um, It uses the illustrations. Um, friend of mine, Scott Rogowski, saw that. Uh, we bonded through a mutual love of random sports jerseys. I think I was wearing, a, I, don't know, I don't know if it was a Cubs Buckner jersey at my brother's birthday party. Uh, so Rogowski was there wearing maybe an Uluru jersey. I don't know. Uh, he used to work at Tops. He thought that people over there would really like that article. Um, and then I ended up illustrating that Mike Schmidt interview. And, you know, I owe it to Rogowski for making that connection. Um, and they did, like, all that stuff. And they recognized uh, my lifelong passion for the, the brand. And one thing led to another. And, uh, you know, got the Spotlight 70. came out in August of 21. And it's, you know, a total dream come true. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I, as you're telling the story, you mentioned Scott Rogowski. I'm looking to see, because he was on... He was on with me here uh, October 9th, 2021, episode 55, actually episode 55 of my after hour show. So that's, that's a, a whole other story, but uh, wow, that, that's really cool. I didn't, I didn't realize that you and Scott were buddies and uh, he's a great guy. So, so yeah. th- did, did I miss the part about, did, sorry, did you say that he introduced you to the people at tops? Cause he was working there at the time he, and say, he he had, had he a- had,
1: yeah, he had worked there a bit and had made, you know, made an introduction. Uh, and, so,
0: and so you you didn't do was that after Top's uh, Project Twenty Twenty and Project Seventy happened? Was it before that? Why were you know what?
1: Sets? Maybe like once a year for about three years. That piece came out in two thousand fifteen. So since then, kind of trying to make a meeting happen and or a tour. You know, it wasn't even about a meeting at first. It was like you're such a huge Tops fan. You you should you should take a tour of the offices. I, I wanted to take it tore so badly. Totally. It just kind of never happened. You know, things are busy. Everyone's busy. Kept, kept, kept in touch, uh, about it. Maybe maybe once a year. Um, and right before COVID happened, I checked in one more time and it wasn't a, a good time, uh, for the baseball card world. And it didn't seem like the best time for tops who had explained their, going through all kinds of transitions laying off a lot of people let's let's put a pin in this is what they said and i kind of let it go and then you know the boom happened and i started getting back into my cards my brother he was going strong the whole time but even more so suddenly we're like talking about cards again like we did when we were kids and yeah i kind of wondered if Rogowski was also, and I don't know, is the boom treating Tops well? Like, uh, and I asked him that question. He said, in fact, Tops just started an art collaborative set series called Project 2020, which is totally killing it. And they're doing great. And it's actually a great time to talk with them, especially because now they're doing these art collaborations. So it suddenly became a great time. But it was years. Yeah sounds like it wow that's that's pretty cool
0: so so but you didn't join these pro they did 2020 no. then project 70 i think the next one's project 100 or something like that but right. you're not a part of those they actually gave you your own full set which right. to me is got to be the coolest thing ever for a, a kid from from new jersey long island <laughs> uh who was Same you know thing was a Mets fan and and loved baseball cards and here you are with your name on the packaging not just a card not just a a direct consumer card but you know that that you would just buy the single you have cards that come out of packs themselves I mean dude how cool is
1: that come on how cool is that I mean it it's very satisfying to me I'll say you know it's it's a dream come true I mean look, look all I really have to say is three cards in the new set I drew when I was twelve.
0: That's so I, neat. I mean, if
1: that doesn't tell the story of how psyched I, I am, uh, you know,
0: I don't know how what many, would.
1: How many cards are in this are in the spotlight set? 70 in both. Uh with uh 15 in the first series, I think uh 25 um variants. Um in the new set, there are 90 cards total because you have you have 70 and then you have 10 rookies painted rookie cards contemporary so this was a little departure from the first year where we only i only painted uh, retired players now we have 10 rookie cards and then 10 uh twilights what i like to call twilights which which put a uh spotlight on each selected player's final issued card and of course i like to pick Roger Maris on the Cardinals, Frank Thomas on the A's, you know, Mike Piazza on the A's, Wade Boggs on the Devil Rays, Dawson on the Marlins. Uh, you know, look, there's a little bit of folklore that's happening here because it is a kind of storytelling. And people don't tend to, you know, really wax nostalgic when they see a 1979 Tops Lee Mazzilli maybe sitting there in a in a, a, a someone's booth. But if you see a painting of it, it becomes a different conversation. So, you know, painting these cards, uh, the, the, the reaction always is like, oh my God, I forgot Frank Thomas was on the A's. And that's what I like about it. It's fun. And it keeps that story going. And while these amazing artists are doing amazing tributes to all the iconic cards, I thought it would be fun to just kind of like bring up the rear, you know, be the caboose.
0: <laughs> no, it's pretty. I think I think it's it's uh I think it's pretty awesome actually that they, because it does it reminds us of uh the, I love the idea of the twilight. Now you've done you you mentioned like the first set, the second set. So you've done two sets now, two versions of that's
1: this right. spotlight. And uh, yeah, that's yeah, possible- this is the first one here spotlight 70 2021 that's so cool this is uh, spotlight 70 2022 that's so cool man so cool so talk a bit about
0: the so so what you get out of these packs are you know the the mass I'll call it mass produced copies of your paintings of your mini paintings what are, what is going on with the actual original paintings do you still have them does tops own them what happens sure, my- your, what happens with the and I know the answer to this but this is for everyone listening and watching
1: what happens with the original paintings from these cards that you paint? Well, they're, I mean, they're, they're mine. They're, they're kind of like, I don't know, like a musician who keeps his masters. They're like the masters. So I'm um, look, it's like here, which, which is, which is which cause I painted them all the same size as the card. So that is the painting.
0: That's the card. That's pretty cool, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, let me ask you this then. How happy are you with the way the actual card turns out? That's based on your painting. Do you like the look and feel of the cards as much as the paintings themselves? It's tops.
1: Like when did I ever not? Yeah. Fair, that's the fair thing enough. working with them. It's great. Cause they're like, is it okay if we do this and this and this and this? Like, You're tops. (laughs) Of course it's okay. (laughs) Like, I love love your decisions. Like, your decisions are what got me into this.
0: So you're not going to question it?
1: No. I mean, you know, the Mark McGuire artist-signed limited edition of 20 that they released last year has a Yankees logo on the back of it. And they're like, oh, shit. You know, oh, I, I saw it. And they were like, oh... Shit, you know what should we do? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to curse twice. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, Miles Davis says you make a mistake, to, you know, do it twice. Um, <laughs> you know, we can halt production, and all, or we can, you know, I mean, just kind of like, well, I mean,
2: that's kind of yeah, yeah.
1: awesome. I love contributing to the error car. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, we all we all love these little imperfections, but that is part of what endeared me to the brand honestly, and I remember talking with them in the beginning about my style and about embracing imperfection, especially ever since my injury. And they were sort of like, that's, you know, that's a big big part of what, what, what we do here, you know? Yeah. Uh, what we believe in anyway, the ethos. So uh, yeah, this is like a whole stack of, these are like the original spotlights. These are all paintings. So you may be familiar with the cards these are the, the paintings the original so
0: the you original. would you would paint those you would then ship them or drop them off at
1: tops they would use them i to... scan no same yeah. thing i do for magazines um i send a file okay so they don't they don't need the actual card i i it's like being a musician in a studio and then you want to master it and mix it before you send it out so i scan it i make sure it's camera ready yeah, okay. you know, and then I send them the file that they need. Same thing as if, uh, if I was a photographer and I took pictures of the baseball players. You know, I'd send the file. So right. So now yeah. these original
0: paintings, you you still own them, and uh, you sell them, right? You you offer these up for sale. Tops, it that's fine. It's it's your property. You can sell them. And and how has the how has the hobby public uh, received your original art at the at the shows? I mean, I know I saw you set up at Mint Collective. I saw you set up at the Vegas Industry Summit selling the cards. I'm sure you've been to more than just those two shows with them. How has the reception been?
1: Uh, well, like I said, I have a lot of amazing conversations, for first, first of all. So even if I sold nothing at every show, I'd still be going to them because I really enjoy showing the work. And people really enjoy looking at it, whether they buy or not. And I get into really interesting conversations. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, it's always also worth it uh, in a financial sense to go. And that feels really good because I really like painting <laughs> and I really like painting what I want to paint. And it seems to excite collectors who then buy it and as a fine artist that's always what i dreamed of doing yeah. and the arrangement that you know that's its own dream come true so it's a give and take you know um but yeah the collectors have definitely been excited i've sold a bunch of originals especially in the first series there's maybe about half left um haven't really started selling the new series yet there are a few now like you know that will well they'll start getting getting out there so uh one thing i've been doing is having a lot of fun painting like large scale oh yeah so these are all new maybe i'll show you a couple of these these are all really big watercolors (laughs) So, like, you know, painting a painting is kind of fun. <laughs>
0: right. So these are... I love that, that design. Oh. Oops.
1: Pat Riley. That's awesome. Pat Riley, Coach of the Year. This one, I like this one. 79 highlights. Yaz and Brock. Take their 300th. Johnny Bench. I just love the dust. I love the dust in that in that painting. Sorry, just it's a little, a little hard to see, but small you get on the idea. On that one, you get the idea. Yeah, Scottie I'll... Pippen. I, I'm just like busting out these large scale ones. They're a lot of fun. A hey, uh, Babe Ruth. This one. Here's a, a...
0: Here. Hall of Famer.
1: And well I we'll think see it's a relic so i I will have these with me. I had a few with me at CSA these uh larger scale ones, and collectors are buying these as well, which that makes me really pleased. Um, so yeah' it's, it's it's been been a lot of fun. I'm extremely moved and grateful and excited and motivated. And inspired by the whole thing. So cool, man. It, it really is. All right. Going to do a couple of
0: comments here. Uh, Joe says, Rhode Island School of Design is some pedigree. Uh, good evening to you, Lapper. <laughs> Thank you. Mosaic Mind says, come on, Phillies. Yeah, let's get an update on the score, if somebody would mind. And Dexflow lets me know that he made his biggest buy today, a PSA 8, Michael Jordan, 86 Fleer rookie card. Congratulations, Dex flow i gotta think now is probably the best time to buy that card in the last few years so uh good on you for being patient waiting till now i hope you're happy with the copy that you did buy um andy so uh, you know i want to ask you this about um being a tops artist and if i can call you i know you're more than a tops artist but in the context of of the hobby you you are you're you're a guy who does art for tops you're not alone there's probably, what, 70, 60, 70 other artists who have, who, have, who have, now I don't know if any of them have had their own set, but they all took part in these more collaborative, the Project 70, the 2020, et cetera. Have you built relationships with any of these guys and, and gals? Did you know any before? Are you friendly with them now? Do you guys hang out? I mean, I've met several of them um, at, the, at the National and seen, you know, I bought some art from uh, Blake Jameson. Uh, at, at the na- at the national year and a half ago um, you know Lauren Taylor is at these events. Uh, yeah, speak a bit about is there camaraderie between these tops artists and if so are you are you a part of that uh, fraternity?
1: I'm, I'm grateful to know these fine uh, motivated inspiring artists. Yes, I have had the great pleasure and honor of meeting most of them and um getting into uh, all kinds of great conversations about art and life and collecting with with many of them and definitely I'm, I'm in touch with many and consider them my friends for sure um that's a been a very special part of it yeah and they're all artists i look up to and they'll have a lot of integrity and uh you know a lot a lot of love for what we're doing so there, it's like a double. With us, it's a double-edged camaraderie too, because it's it's art and also collecting. Yeah. So we're we're like a unique bunch, I I guess in that in that way. So there's a lot that brings us together. So when we're all in the same room, I, you feel you feel something. For sure,
0: makes sense, makes sense for sure. Here's a question from uh, Skeppy it says, where do you draw inspiration from, and do you take breaks from art to reset your creativity?
1: Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I mean, taking a break, you know, it could be argued is the part where I'm painting. <laughs> uh, so I don't take breaks from art. I mean, I took a, you know, I, I take a lot of Epsom baths to reset. set. Uh, watercolor is really demanding. It's really hard, but it happens really fast, but, but it's, it's, if, if you guys knew my routine, you might be astounded. But, you know, and so is that a break? I don't know. I don't think of it as a break as much as part of the process. Um, yeah, but okay, I'm being, intel- I'm answering you in a very intellectual way, in a very basic way. Um, yeah, you can't be working all the time. Um, I mean, I'm guilty of, having had periods in my life where that's all it was and like work was my worth and all that. And I learned to go get past that. And it's made the work actually even more pleasurable because it kind of doesn't own me. (laughs) So uh, where do I draw inspiration from? Mm, My emotions, so if something happens and reverberates in a positive way or a negative way or a happy or sad way, that will be reflected in the work. If it's a sad thing, it might make for a happy painting to get me out of it. It might be sadder than the sad thing, don't know, but it's I, I pay attention to my emotions. And I think that's at the end of the day where I draw inspiration from because it's all an attempt to sort of make sense of life. Even when I'm painting baseball cards, um, you know, there's one aspect of it going on, which is the subject matter. But then there's a whole other thing happening when it comes to application Hmm. of color with water and watercolor. It's very difficult. It's the most difficult artistic practice because you can't cover your errors or start over or try again, you know, fix anything. Everything tells the story of your state of mind in the moment you put it down. So the only way to really succeed is to completely surrender to what is probably your perception of failure, but to others, is complete reckless bravery. When they see an unfettered stroke, they know it was intentional because if it's a stutter step, you can tell. And so when people look at my work, whether they care about baseball or not, they see a truth (laughs) at the base level. And also, I'm a color theorist. So there's the science of color happening. And when we look at cards because I like to think I I paint the physical objects of a baseball card. Like I there's some 1960 cards that are they're painted on a darker card stock and I paint that into the cards. If you look at the 1973 Dusty Baker that I painted in the last set, you'll see it's got that kind of cream base that the 1973 tops had. It's not quite white. So I, I like to paint the paper, the ink, the year of the film, all that stuff. But that comes from color theory. That's like going out and painting a landscape and nailing that sunset to the point where someone who grew up with that sunset is like, oh my God, that's exactly what it is, you know, because it spoke to you, it spoke to me. I can give it back to you through the science of color, which is the same thing that's happening here in real life anyway, Reflective rays of color, just like a musician can distill a feeling down to sound with the science of music. These two notes together make a brown sound or an orange sound or whatever. And these colors together or this stroke makes this happen. There's a science to it. So, you know, it all it all comes together um, in, in, in each uh,
0: work. All right. Well, that was deep, man. I mean, I, I was on the edge of my seat, literally uh, didn't know where you were going to go with that. But uh...
1: I'm not sure I did either or that I even went anywhere, but it covered some things.
0: No, well, you, you. I mean, it's just a, it's a peek in, into your mind and how you, how you, what, what goes through it. What, what? what I mean, we can look at, at at any artist's work, and all you see is is that two dimensional representation of color and design um, on, on on a on a on a medium. And now, uh, based on you know, you went through a lot of detail there within your process, and uh, I think that adds, to me it adds context and information. And uh, depth to to the to your works specifically,
1: right? Because it's without without that col- without nailing the color of the, the psych the psychology of each card. It, that's what makes people stop at my table when they don't know Spotlight Seventy or don't know anything about what's happening here. They see the those colors like we talked about when you walk into the old book room there's the colors of like ah oh, now here we are this is i'm um, just a first glance i could see this is all stuff i'm going to like they look and they're not i don't think they think they're paintings they just see those proper colors and they stop and some people as soon as they realize their paintings, they're paintings are like oh okay that's not what i'm looking for and they they keep going but it draws them in and then for some people who then maybe weren't looking for paintings but then realize that they are now suddenly they're like wait you painted a 1987 tops pete incavelia oh my god i love that card when i was a kid that was a huge oh my god and then we start getting into it like that but they react to the card with that same nostalgic feeling if it was just black and white they might be like huh pete incavelia 87 tops yeah totally but we wouldn't get into the emotional part of it without the color in my opinion if they were all black and white drawings there's something happens in the when you give back the color of those cards yeah, and the feeling yeah. of them.
0: Well, Skeppy goes on to say, "I can tell I touched a creative nerve with that question." <laughs> Great answer. Yeah, you
2: did.
1: Thank and
0: you. And Daniel Busby wants know, Are your custom cards gradable by PSA? Now, I don't know if he re- is referring to the Tops Project Seventy or the the Project Spotlight or your
1: original art cards that you showed. But why don't you address both? Um, well, I mean. I don't think they could grade them necessarily because, uh, you know, they're not going to look at the edges of this watercolor paper here. Uh, you know, let's see, pull up this Mark Waller's here, for example, and, and say that the corners are messed up because I'll say, no, they're not. They're perfect. They're exactly yeah. how I wanted them to be. Yeah. And, you know, they're not going to say there's a drip of ink up there. So you you ruined it. I was like, I owned it yeah (laughs) so yeah jim mint so they can't you know they're not art critics so they can't give it a rating like you know we're gonna give this a six you're a little shaky there on his foot (laughs) but i believe they can authenticate the signature uh is what i'm told yeah they can authenticate the artist signature and leave it to you to presume that uh the art on the front is mine right as and far does, as i understand
0: he does clarify the originals which is what we're speaking about the originals so, okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah i so i think i think that they can be slabbed in in you know in their own way as as original art yeah. authentic, or authentic uh signature yeah
0: cool all right let's keep uh brian adams says andy is spot on two music notes combined will create a color in the musician's Mind, very, uh, very cool and mosaic mind. I collected the whole 73 tops baseball set because I love the action photos. Did you paint any cards from that set, Andy? Uh,
1: the uh, in action, yeah, or no, isn't that just... love the action? I did paint 73 tops, yes, I do have a few 73 tops. I mentioned the Dusty Baker, I think there's a few others. Um, I love the action photos, like just the way the, uh, yeah, they're great. The the photos are, are, are all, are all great. Um, you know, I, I love painting them. All right, let's keep on going.
0: Uh, let, let's switch it up for a moment. So you are, I believe you're going to be doing something you're with respect to your baseball card art at Art Basel. And can you, you want to talk a bit about that and what is Art Basel and what are you going to be doing there? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you know, I don't know, I don't know how much has been announced. Um, so I guess I'll just sort of say that working with uh, Collectible and uh, and eBay, uh, putting together a big exhibit as while Art Basel is, is happening at the scope gallery, and I'll have like, about 100 works on view. Uh, so more details to come on that. But Art Basel is a, you know, a big fair festival for all the, you know, new contemporary art or what have you, uh, and it happens in uh, Miami once a year, or okay, so I'm told. Okay. I don't know. You know, I've been in my studio all this time, so I, I don't really come out for air uh, in in this way. But this is uh, okay. So uh, the what- first time I'll be going to Art Basel.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not familiar with it either, but uh you had mentioned it in conversation. I think it's like awesome. the
1: national for for, for art. Uh, fine art for for okay. for the, the art
2: world.
0: Let me go back to uh let me go back to the the tops uh cards that you and other artists have done. And something that I've always kind of wondered was, you know, when 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 the tops when project 2020 was first when it was ramping up, I thought that a lot of people who were fans of those artists would now be buying their, their baseball cards because it's their favorite artist. And that might open up new people to the sports card world, at least kind of like just a little nudge, you know, here's a little nudge. Remember these from when you were a kid, maybe you want to come, maybe this is your, your, your gateway in back into the hobby. And I was wondering just in your travels talking about, the, the TOPS projects and your product with other artists and, and your uh, fans of your work, did that happen to your understanding? Did the, did this, these projects by TOPS bring new people into the hobby
1: by via being fans of the artists? Um, I'm sure that that has happened. Uh, Many of those artists have huge followings from all different worlds and yeah i'm sure that it has i don't think i can produce a stat off the top of my head but i would be willing to bet that it has widened the demographic of appreciation for these cards uh for sure um and like i said it reverberates the other way too for the first time in history you have people collecting artists Mm. and that's really interesting and well, you know brings like I, a lot I, of potential
0: I, I saw a lot of people who back in in you know 2020 I guess it was especially you know between the summer and the end of 2020 lots of collectors were collecting the project 2020 cards and then I, I heard a lot of chatter I saw people posting I talked to people who were then going and seeking out original art from these artists so Maybe they, maybe, and I don't know, just like, well, there's no, we we don't have any stats to pull from here, but, or data, but as I was expecting, perhaps the fans of the artists would become card collectors. Maybe it worked more the other way where the card collectors became art collectors or picked up the odd piece of these artists. I wonder which one had the bigger, the bigger force. That's definitely happening.
1: And I think the, I think Personally, the Art Basel world, the New York art world, maybe, uh, the contemporary art world could stand to learn a lot about how to connect artists with viewers and collectors through the mechanically reproduced image, which could also be collected. Um, you know, we'll learn from the this collectibles world. So I, I think it's a matter of time before before that happens as well,
0: yeah, we'll see where it goes for sure. Astros one, we find out right there. Thanks for the update. Hmm. Is that is? And I, this is going to sound like a bad question, but is that the World Series? Is it over now? Yeah, it's over. They won the World Series. That was didn't that was they? Funny.
1: Unless I'm mistaken, I, I don't. That would be funny if all, everyone got their information from me.
0: Yeah, uh, or or, <laughs> or me on that. I have. I don't. Have I think so. Yeah. Mostly. Um, so. We talked about uh, the 73 baseball set uh, Mosaic Mind. I wondered if you have any examples to show. Uh, I don't want you to start digging through to search for it right now, but it, unless you happen to know where one is right away. And I'll just say to you, David French, uh, Andy showed off quite a bit already, so just feel free to rewind. Andy, maybe show off a couple more pieces if you that, that you haven't shown yet uh, for people to see. They won the World Series. Thank you for confirming Mosaic Mind. I think most people were cheering for the Phillies, weren't they? Most people, unless you were uh, in Houston, I think you were cheering for the Phillies. That was my understanding.
1: So here's here's the short print, 82 tops Reggie Jackson from the Spotlight 72 set. I like this one. Um, here's a short print. Here's the short print. Uh, um, David Wright. There's only 15 of those printed, I believe. Oh wow. Um, Let's see, what can I show off? Where is that Dusty Baker, I think. Dusty Baker is actually in the other set. Um, this is kind of a funny story. So this is the Andre Dawson on the Marlins painting for his uh, Twilight card. So I had the chance to, to meet him at one of the CSA shows and I like to present the athletes that I paint with their cards. So someone made the introduction, a Topps card, and he painted this card view and I'm giving it to him and I like saw his face when he saw the, <laughs> the Marlins, because he didn't have any context to, you know, understand that this was like a chaser and it was a special twilight. I painted you, Mr. Dawson, in all of your glory for the, the Marlins. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Oh, here's your 76, Tim McCarver. Uh, yeah. I don't think I have any 73s in this set, but here's, a, here's a 74. Juan Marshall. Again, these are, these are all the original, paintings these are not the cards these are the paintings for those of you just turning it
0: tuning in so here's here's a question that just came in andy mosaic mind says from empty canvas to finished work how long does it typically take you to paint one card
1: i mean there's no typical and i would say you know that's that's the most popular question that anyone asks and you know there's two ways i like to answer that one i like to say you know like if it takes me 40 minutes that's the same amount of time it took philippe to tight tightrope across the world trade center without a net so the real question is how long did it take you to prepare to world to to tightrope across the world trade center without a net <laughs> uh And if I do it in eight minutes, you know, that's like how long it takes George Gershwin to play Rhapsody in blue. So time is irrelevant. And uh, I used to spend, I I studied Renaissance painting techniques. So since I'm 15, you know, I, I was, I was studying anatomy like the way Michelangelo studied it at Columbia University in a graduate drawing program when I was 17 Um, drawing from skinned cadavers and morgues. Mm. Like I took my study very seriously and wanted to learn how to paint like Velasquez and Vermeer and would spend, I spent almost three years on one painting. It's way more difficult to embrace imperfection than achieve the illusion of perfection. Perfection doesn't actually exist. Imperfection does. So showing it is in my, to my mind for my pursuit, more brave, therefore scarier, therefore more on the line, therefore more charged with per- purpose that the viewer can feel. And so, you know, that's what I see happening when people look at the stuff it's it's um there's something else happening uh, you know that I, I feel like people are appreciating the subjects that i choose but also the way i paint them the fact that they're paintings
0: so, and it, you know it's not just artists or songwriters or tightrope walkers or pianists it's it's any real skill that requires training you're not when you go to purchase or, or, or purchase that person's services you're not necessarily you know paying them for their time you're paying them for their expertise which has taken sometimes years and decades to cultivate and to, to, to establish and to to refine right and that's why certain that's why doctors make a lot of money that's why lawyers bill out so much accountants bill out so much it's it's because these aren't uh these aren't um, skills that that, that they that, that anyone can just do you need you need a long time to refine them and again it's not it's not just professional uh you know professionals accountants lawyers and that engineers and architects it's also it's artists it's musicians it's any it's anybody who's putting their you know athletes there's a there's another group. it only takes 60 minutes to play a, a hockey game or or 48 minutes to play a basketball game but so they're not only get they're not getting paid for the amount of time on the court. They're getting paid for their natural, their God given skills, and all the effort and practice and focus that they put in along the way. And, I, and the same goes for for you painting a baseball card. If it takes you sixty seconds or sixty minutes or sixty hours, it doesn't really matter, right? It's the fact it's that you're, that only you can create what you're creating. So.
1: It's the end result. Yeah, it's the end result. You're paying for the
2: piece
1: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, exactly you said it you said it and 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 also you know what all the other thing people want to own is the only one of something yeah and so as someone who paints with ink and watercolor on pieces of paper i have an only one of something available to offer and there are one of ones of each one of these cards issued Uh, as chasers, you know, people are spending quite a bit of money on some of these one-of-ones. Um, you know, there's something, something different about a hand-made one-of-one. So something I hear collectors tell me a lot that's interesting to me, uh, that I like hearing that they feel they're getting two collectibles in one, uh, a a one-of-one and also an original painting (laughs) and you know in the two worlds that i kind of am from which is an art world and a card world it is what that that's true that it are it are they are both of those in one and in the case of the originals used to create the tops card you're getting a third Elements thrown in there as you know it's a it's a like a legit piece of baseball historical memorabilia in that it's a piece of art used to create a tops card so it ups it even one you know so so the originals used to create the tops cards are i you know i think the most precious in in a way um you know yeah so you know speaking of that here's that here's that trammel I i told you about Here's I drew this when I was when I was 12. So this is in the in the new set. It's in a Lucite brick here, but that's that's the trauma. That's the original.
0: That's a 12 year
1: old you painting index that index card. Yeah, I drew it on my kitchen table after school one day.
0: <laughs> and that, now it's an actual. Now it's an actual. Who would have thought it's that many actual. years ago, sitting at the kitchen table, you paint that, and then 20, 30 years later, it's actually in packs being distributed that
1: is the that's so cool I, man. i'm gonna one-up you on that one you're one-upping and,
0: yourself and, or it's your story i'll,
1: I'll one-up m- my own story who would have thought that yes indeed but it was also issued with an alan trammell autograph on it so there are a few out there with auto on it um and my son ripped one when i gave him a box so he opened the box so my own so really so who would think that my son would open a box of Tops card to pull a Topps card that I drew when I was twelve that has Alan Trammell's autograph on it, wow. and also has a red back, so there's only ten of them, ten of those. So that's in our PC. That's crazy. And so that's really like the full circle mind blow, you know. And I got to meet Trammell, and he held that actual painting, and that was wow. also kind of a trip for me. Come on,
0: <laughs> that is so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna uh, start to wrap up. Which, if you've seen this show before, it can take a bit of time sometimes. We have some some questions still coming some
1: in. Seatbacks um, up, and I should yeah, seat backs up, and okay. trade
0: tables in their upright position. Okay, exactly. got it. Um, So the first first one I want to go to is uh, well. There's a couple here. David French says, uh, the final three minutes of airtime for this show should be for you playing your guitar. You can have the outro. I'm going <laughs> to offer you that, Andy. If you want to play guitar as we uh, end the episode, you're welcome to. I'll let you wow. know about that for a moment. And then Skeppy says, do you teach Do you teach or have you taught art? And if so, he has a follow-up question. Do you do any teaching?
1: Well, you know, I like to think every every interview I do, every conversation I have. Every bit of writing I do is a is a, I, I like to teach. I'm I have not. Uh, I'm not a professional um, instructor, um, but through my art and part of my purpose is is definitely teaching. I've been working on a writing project for quite a long time that I'm excited to eventually release into the world. And I believe there's a basically everything that I know is in it. And, uh, you know, so I think that will be a teaching tool at, at at best or at worst. I'd like it to be a movie. But, uh, you know, so so, yeah, teaching is very important to me.
0: But you're not you're not actually facilitating any classes or having students show up and you're taking them through the the the
1: process of paint. No, I don't. I, I don't have that. Uh, happening
0: no not everybody not. who does it needs to teach it that that that's all that's okay i would say are you are you gonna pull out your guitar as we uh, end up as we end the show
1: uh sure is it is it over is it is that the time
0: i have i have two more two more questions i want to ask you uh before we do end it um what's next for you as far as sports card art goes and maybe you know your your art career in general
1: um, well what's next is uh focusing on on basil so part of part of the so, some of the things that will be on view there um there there's a really cool um well you know what i'll 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 i'll, I'll announce that um in time i'm focusing on on basil and all of the things that will be showing there and uh, some of which I'm, I'm still making a few things and you know doing a lot of uh a lot of paintings that have you know that that don't have anything to do with sports or sports cards but you know in on um, sizes that are two and a half by three and a half and uh, all all kinds of other things so that's what's next a lot more to come okay well good stuff.
0: <laughs> and you so you've done work for tops have you been have you ever been and you don't have to answer this but i'll ask anyway have you been approached by any other companies card companies to do any work for them um if you were would you are you are you are you uh
1: exclusive to tops how does that work oh i mean i'm you know i don't have an exclusive contract but uh, that's my identity
0: yeah you grew up on Tops, so you're happy you're happy doing that doing it with that brand more way. than happy it's just yeah,
1: yeah it's just uh you know i they came here to the studio this is also in, in my home um to film originally the promo for spotlight seventy and I remember uh Chuck on his way out saying uh the 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 your your reverence for the brand is fully apparent <laughs> as he looked around the you live the in the it. you 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 uh, live in your brand,
0: you are your brand." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And how, how, it, how it, uh, I, I guess, I guess what, what, what he, what he was meaning and what I mean all kind of combined is that you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the tops brand is clearly a part of you by the way you're living and by your, your surroundings. Is that kind of what he was saying? He could tell that you yeah. were, that you had, uh, some, some love for the brand,
1: the tops that I had a lot that I had a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, for that's sure. Cool. That's yeah, cool for sure. All right. Well, yeah. Let's uh,
0: let let's wrap it up. And uh, right. you want, hey, listen, we've never had we've never had a musical performance on this show. Episode one hundred and sixty is tonight. It's almost fitting that it's somewhat of a milestone ah. episode where we're gonna go. All
1: right. Well, since okay, you know what? The other night I was walking home, uh and uh, with a, with a friend, and um, there was a. Uh, karaoke happening on my block in a new bar and uh stopped in and we both did a song so i'm gonna play the song i i did as we as we go out and uh, first i want to say thank you to all of you watching and for the questions and the comments and jeremy thank you so much for having me on this uh this great show i really appreciate it
0: it's a real
1: honor and uh yeah thank
0: you all and we are we are going to end this. So put the comments up if you want. But I'm probably just going to end this uh, while he's while he's mid song. So thank you everybody for watching uh, again tomorrow night. Mark Mater on Collectible Live at seven o'clock Eastern Tuesday. Uh, Scott Roskine from Connecticut on Collectible Live at seven o'clock Eastern. No shows next week. We we'll at the Toronto Expo. See everybody there who will be there. And with that, we'll turn it over to Andy.
1: Here comes Johnny singing all oh, these goodies. Papa Luba, baby, what I say? Here comes Johnny singing. I got a woman down in the tunnel trying to make it pay. He got the action, he got the motion. Yeah, boy can play. Dedication, devotion, turning on the night time of the day. Do the song about the sweet loving woman. He do the song about the night. Baby, do the. Work. Hawkers mm-hmm. Paper mm-hmm.